Off the Ball on News Talk. Thanks to Air. Catch all the sports you love free on the Air Sport Pack with Air Broadband. Shot coming in. Oh, goalie, United have snatched it. Who is it? Was it Gary Shanahan? Gary was Shanahan, Shanahan took a severe deflection. Mike. Deflection, but uh, Galway United I, will take it. My I, goodness! You know what, Mike? You know I always feel when you're under so much pressure, you're always going to get one chance. Galway Bay FM's Mike Rafferty and Derek Rogers on Galway's first league win of the season, and it's a massive compliment to Dundalk that when they're beaten, it is the feature result of the weekend. Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, by the way. This is News Talks SSE or Tricity League podcast. I'm Oshin Langan and he is Daniel Kelly. You can get him on Addis Misha Daniel. And you can get me on at Oshin Langan. Stephen Kenny, to be fair, is very straightforward about how their season is going. Some quotes in the Irish Independent. He was speaking to Daniel MacDonald, who I absolutely guarantee you does not do a podcast that comes out later in the week regards to the League of Ireland. He says, there is a saying in Derry, take your oil. We got enough praise in the last couple of years. We've lost a few games and we've got to take our oil, said Kenny. We had to take the good with the bad. It's been a record-breaking year. Our spirits are high. We've lost a couple of games. We should have won, like the Bray game. The other defeats were legitimate defeats. I don't consider that one to be. We've had a lot of issues at the club this year. I don't want to make excuses, but we've had problems. A lot of the players are playing quite well at the moment. We just have got to get... The balance, right. There's Interesting st- comments. There's still there. the price scalp, I think, in the league. After their dominance in recent years, teams will continue to up their game against Dundalk, and they'll see a wounded al- uh, they'll see a wounded animal. And I think that's fair to say because they're already twelve points behind. Cork. Why has that not been the case for the last three seasons, or has it been the case, but it's just exacerbated by the fact that Cork have made such a flying start, eleven from eleven in the league. One hundred percent, it's down to the fact that Cork have done so well. Dundalk are still looking at the table they're in the top three teams in the league and they're easily one of the top three teams looking at uh, the league table here in front of me Cork, Dundalk and Bray are already five points clear of the rest of the league so they are in the top echelons but the fact that they have regressed a slight bit and Cork have improved a little bit more and added to Cork's unbelievable start to the season has made the gap look bigger than it probably is It's a bit of a strange one isn't it because the story of that game is Galway's first win of the season not necessarily Dundalk's loss but because of the highs Dundalk have reached when there is a low or when there's a bad result the microscope is on them that bit more and I think Stephen Kenny knows that and just because Cork City have gone on that run it's made it that little bit worse there's a big game coming up for Dundalk this Friday night they're away to Shamrock Rovers we're going to hear from Rovers manager Stephen Bradley ahead of that match because he's got a microscope on him as well I guess I there's he, a lot of I think he has a very big microscope on him with he this start. does he does but there are um, what I call mitigating circumstances to why Rovers haven't been great in a result sense this season we're also going to talk about Galway because as I've said the story is them winning as opposed to Dundalk losing correct Derek Rogers captained them to their League Cup win in the mid-90s when they were at first division correct yeah was it 96 or 97 because it was a New Year's Day second leg final so it was 97 yeah we'll clarify with Derek (laughs) I was trying to actually solidify this today and I actually couldn't what year did they win the league in the League Cup in Oshin it was the 96-97 season so I assume it was New Year's Day 97 was it well then it's 1997 okay we're going down a rabbit hole yep exactly anyway we'll hear from Derek Rogers in a while he'll talk to us about Galway season so far uh, their win against Dundalk and 
what they can do now or how they can go about things now that they've actually picked up a win. And the thing is, it wasn't even their best results of the weekend. Penalty shoot at victory over Sligo Rovers. They're into the last four of the A Sports Cup. That's right. The Shane Keegan renaissance continues. Yes, and well done to Shane Keegan. Alan Matthews Longford are out of the EA Sports Cup. They were beaten by Shamrock Rovers in the quarter final on uh, Tuesday night. 1 0 the final score. I went along. I spoke to Alan about how Longford are doing this season. They're six points off the top in the first division, but the first division is kind of odd this season. Cove Ramblers are on top, eight points off the top, I beg your pardon. Um, so we spoke about the roller coaster that is the first division so far. How Longford have changed as a club since he was last there. And we spoke a bit about Shamrock Rovers as well because Alan Matthews is a Rover stalwart. He was there during some of the, the good days of Shamrock Rovers. And he's also one of those people that would have an encyclopedic knowledge of the league. So even though he's focusing on Longford in the first division, he'd be keeping an eye on everything in the Premier too. Exactly. Can't wait to hear from Derek Rogers. But first, we'll go to Stephen Bradley. Um, believe it or not, the goal scorer on Tuesday night... Dean Dillon is only 17 he was born in 1999 so he wouldn't his first memory of Ireland in a major tournament would have been 2012 it's no way depressing not at all he would have been a 13 year old a very young Shamrock Rovers side it has to be said took on Longford there was a bit of a lack of cohesion in the performance Um, but before we moved on to talking about Dundalk on Friday night uh, the performances so far this season, what they've learned as a team, what he's learned as a head coach. We did talk about that kind of lack of cohesion. And it's a balance, isn't it? When you pick a team like that, you obviously want the win. So I put it to Stephen that he wanted the win. But I also asked him what else he was looking for. And if maybe as fans, we had to be a bit understanding of that lack of cohesion in the game, especially early in the match. You obviously have players who played a lot of games and then you have other players that are just coming in for maybe the first game of the season. So it's going to be hard to get a rhythm and, and uh, for them to understand. But I thought in the first half we put some really good passages of play together and and uh, uh, created some really good goal-scoring opportunities. What are you looking for? Obviously the win, but what are, what are you looking for from individuals in a game like this against Longford? We're looking for lads to go and put a stamp on it and, and stake a claim for Friday night and for going forward. We have a lot of uh, good games coming up, big games coming up, and, and uh, you're looking for lads to put their foot forward and say, I'm ready to play, like you know. So that's what you're looking for. Yeah. Look, your form hasn't been ideal this season, but we're only 11 games in, and there's only one team who are uh, coming up with the perfect score so far, and that's Cork City. So, how do you, as the manager, assess what has happened so far this season, good and bad? Yeah, we've been too inconsistent, you know, our performance. Some games have been really, really good. And then we've been in other games. We've been good in, in small doses, and and we need to we need to turn that into longer periods of games. And, and when we have that sort of ten periods of games where we're dominating, we need to uh, put our chances away. I think if we do that, we'll we'll obviously win a lot more games. You know what we're doing is we're uh, we're dominating certain aspects of, of games, and and we're not um, finishing off our chances. And then the catching's on the break or a set piece and, and it looks like a performance is poor because of the scoreline but yeah. if you really watch the games back and break it down other than Bray second half and drop it away yeah. uh, they're the only two games where I felt we've let ourselves down in terms of performance you know. and what do you think is the reason for the negative stuff is it just that guys are maybe a bit young I know you've got some good players there but when guys are young they'll make the mistakes that even we as fans might notice the yeah. little bit of physicality might be just not quite at that top level yet and that will come but it does take time are those the things that are happening? yeah it does you've said it it does take time because it's not physicality it's just a concentration thing it's a it's a lap for five seconds and, and in a football game when you're defending that's that's too long like you know and, and like you said we'll only get that 
uh, by making the mistakes and learning from them. It's okay making them once, but we need to learn from them, you know, as a group. Uh, and we need to stay together and believe in what we're doing, which they do, like, you know, I think you can see that. Uh, they all work really hard for each other. Even on Friday night, they worked really hard. We got done, again, laughs and concentrates for five seconds, catches. We need to cut that out, and I think we'll put a lot more points on the board. Is the worry that when you're talking to the lads about this in training that you might actually go overboard on it? Is it something that you think that you'll say it once or twice and you just hope that eventually it sinks in through kind of osmosis? Yeah, look, I think you can go overboard in a lot of things with coaching. I think you can overcoach, you can overtalk, and, and we've been conscious not to do that. We've sat down as a group, had a chat, we've watched videos as a group, uh, positive and negative, and, uh, and we've learned, hopefully we've learned. Uh, when we make more mistakes throughout the season, of course, we will, every team will. Um, but we just got to minimise them and make sure when they happen that we're one or two goals up like you know yeah. Brandon Miele tonight he looked like a player who can create when the goal came it was obvious that it was either going to be him to score it or him to create it he was the creator in this case yeah I thought he, he was uh, really sharp tonight Brandon really good looked to trek on forward every time he's on the ball and another night maybe he could have had one or two goals himself but uh, he's really confident at the moment in the attacking tour and he, when he's like that in that form he's a threat to most teams and Trevor Clark is jet healed if you can get a final ball out of him he could be some asset I mean he's a good player as it is but again he's young and maybe people forget that yeah I, I keep saying I know uh, I, I really believe Trevor's the best left back in the country um, left sided player I know look Dan Massey I'm not wouldn't disrespect Dan Massey or, or, or Connor or Cork they're two very very good players but for me if you're, if you're looking at Someone who has everything. Uh, Trevor's the one. He's still only what just 18. Like you know, he's still only a baby. You know, so and uh, what he, what he gives you on the pitch is uh, is frightening. Can he improve? Of course he can. There's still areas he can improve, but potentially uh, I don't think we've seen a, a defender in this league like Trevor in a long, long time. Yeah, when you have players like Brandon tonight and Trevor tonight putting their hands up, I guess it puts pressure on other guys as well, and that's what you want as the head coach. Yeah, 100%. That's the that's why you play them boys tonight because you want them to say Luke came in last week and was excellent first game of the year you want Trevor to come back in and say no I'm, I'm ready to play Friday you know and you know Luke is saying that and, and Brandon's the same for Friday so uh, it was um, that's what you want from the, from the squad and it's good healthy competition in the squad yeah look it's a, it's a good group of lads I've been saying it they know that we haven't picked up as many points as we should have this term there's no getting away from that we know that as a group but uh, one thing's for sure they'll stand up and we'll stand up as a group and, and make sure at the end of the next round of games we'll have more points How important was the win tonight especially looking ahead to Friday how important was it to get a kind of a nice bounce a positive step going into the game against Dundalk because even you sound a bit more upbeat you sound a bit more positive that's important isn't it? Yeah it's a, look it's a chance to go and, and play in the semi-final because you know it, that's uh, tonight wasn't about winning because so then we went to Friday we win it wasn't about that it was about winning so then we went into a semi-final draw you know yeah. uh, that's what tonight is about because this group a new group we need to learn how to win together you know and, yeah. and if a competition gives you that chance well you've got to go and take it it does no harm though that there's you know a positive frame of mind though for Friday here against Dundalk I mean it's, yeah. it's what football is all about isn't it yeah look they're, they're obviously a top side have been the top side in the country the last three seasons you know so uh, we know what they'll bring they'll bring a uh, they'll bring what they always bring they're good attack and side they create chances but look I, I keep saying when we play the way we can play our tempo we can match any team in this league given how thick and fast the game's come in this league I'm not sure how much looking back you do but there wasn't much between you on that night in Oriel Park on the first night of the season do you take much from that or do you just kind of 
remind the guys of that and hope they take something from it yeah look it's the first game so we didn't play as well as we should have played and, and uh, Dundalk were okay better than us that night they weren't brilliant but they were okay you know so none of us are really on top form that night look, we had a width of a crossbar away from coming out over a point we didn't so it's, it's forgotten about you know um, we look at the positives and negatives from that game uh, and see their patterns and how they move, and, and but they don't change too much. Sundark, they are what they are, and they play the way they play, you know. So. Yeah, you could have done with them winning in Galway last week because they're coming here now with a point to prove, aren't they? Yeah, look, they're a good side. Like they're, again, they've been the best side in this country for three years for a reason. You know, they as a group they know how to go and win games, and, and that's what we're trying to learn here as a group, you know. Uh, so look, Friday it's going to be two good teams going to trying to win the game. So it has the makings of a great game. Are you enjoying the season so far? I appreciate results haven't been exactly yeah. what you wanted. Yeah. But I guess if you're not enjoying your job, what's the point? Yeah, I'm loving it. Uh, are you disappointed and does it kill you when you lose games? 100%, you know, and I need to learn how to cope with that better in terms of me personally, you know. Uh, I need to learn. I had a good chat with someone over the weekend, two weekends ago. I went over to watch uh, Tottenham and, and um, Chelsea and he said Mourinho has a two-hour cut-off point. After he loses a game, two hours, he never talks about it again, you know. And it's a very good way of looking at it because you can just dwell on it and it ruins your weekend, it ruins your week until the next game, you know. So I need to learn how to deal with that better, but uh, I'm loving it. I'm loving the group we have. I'm loving uh, how we're playing at times. Do we need to, like I said, win more games 100%, but we will because they're a good group of people. We spoke at the launch of the league and at that stage you kind of hadn't really experienced what it was like to be the head coach. I appreciate it's still early, but what's caught you by surprise? What do you like? What do you not like? No, just like... In, in, in football when you're one up you have to go and kill off teams you have to be ruthless like you know that's that's the big one for me for, for this group we need to be more ruthless uh, at both ends of the pitch because that's where it's won and lost you know and that's where at times even tonight in the first half it could have been 4-0 at times like, and then you're still in all going into the 80, 80th minute you know so we just need to learn that as a group you have to be more ruthless like you know? but you personally what have you enjoyed or yeah, well, not so much enjoyed no look I've enjoyed the losses as well as the victories yes. although the, the losses hurt uh, the fact that you go home and scrutinise everything you've done that week leading up to the game did I give the right information did I set up right did I make the right substitutions did I pick the right team all of that uh, I've really enjoyed that aspect because it's making me really analyse myself like you know and, mm-hmm. and uh, I think I believe that will only make me a better manager and better coach how do you the head coach compare to you the player in looking back on performances and looking back on what happened on the pitch Oh, for me as a as a as a coach now I'm I'm so much harder than myself as I was a player. Yeah. Look when I played I, I, I knew I uh, I knew I stopped playing when I was young, like you know, in terms of not even back here but when I came out from England. So as a as a manager I am much more hard on myself. Uh, and I, I promised myself as a coach when I started four or five years ago I'll never fail coaching on, on hard work and wanting to learn every day, like you know, and, and that's something that I stick by every day. Me and Stephen were in the office at eight o'clock. You don't leave till nine o'clock that night. You know that's that's just wanting to learn, wanting to be better. And and I believe if I stay that way, uh, I won't go far off. And just before I let you go, Dundalk here on Friday night, no doubt you'll encourage the fans to get along and make an atmosphere. That because that genuinely does has a, have a positive effect on the team. Yeah, look, the fans have been brilliant for us yeah. all year. They stuck with us. Uh, Friday they were frustrated because obviously we can see in the last minute that's totally understandable. You know, you're a minute away from winning the game. Out in Bray we get beat. I think we're second half is probably the poorest we've been all year. And they stuck with us like, yeah, do they do they give you a bit of stick? That's that's to be expected. You've you've got well beaten out in Bray, you know. So, but they stood. 
stayed there, they clapped the players and myself off the pitch. You can't ask for any more. We, we need them on Friday night 100%. Yeah. This is News Talks SSE or Tricity League podcast. He is... Daniel Kelly. And I'm Machine Langan. And that was Shamrock Rovers head coach Stephen Bradley speaking ahead of their game against Dundalk this Friday night. It is a huge encounter. It's a big encounter when these two meet anyway. But they could both really do with the win in the league. Obviously, Bradley was speaking after their EA Sports Cup quarterfinal win during the week and he actually did make a lot of very valid points there there's an awful lot of youth and inexperience in that team there is and that's uh, he's been probably in a way too uh, too proud with what he's trying to do they're trying to build up a team for the future whereas we're in an era now where you uh, where you need immediate results and that's probably put a lot of pressure on him whereas in next season the season after that Shamrock Rovers will be definitely one of the better teams in the league because they will have a young experienced squad with league around uh, with league around know-how they're kind of doing now what John Giles tried to do in the 70s and 80s. That didn't work out the best. Matter it didn't at the time because Ireland wasn't ready for it. The footballing yeah. landscape <clears throat> wasn't ready for it. Rovers are going for it now. Financially, they're probably in a better place in some senses. They've got talent. They've got really good crowds. They've got a good sponsor. And they seem to be quite prudent with their money, which in the past... They haven't been. And other clubs haven't been as well. That's just not just a, speaking, a dig at Rovers. Speaking about prudency with money, investing a lot in youth, it reminds me of one person, which is Arsene Wenger, which makes a lot of sense because that's exactly where Bradley has come from. He knows the, he knows the Arsenal way. Yep. He's trying to put his own slant on that with Shamrock Rovers. And hopefully for his sake, it'll work out for the best. And obviously Stephen McPhail and Shane Robinson involved as well, yes. guys who know their way around. Um, let's talk about Longford and their manager, Alan Matthews. We will get back to Rovers with Alan, obviously, because he's a, a stalwart of the club. But his Longford team beaten by Shamrock Rovers 1-0 in the EA Sports Cup quarterfinal. I don't think they were too down about it because their concentration is the first division and trying to get out of it. Ten games in, they're eight points off the lead, which is currently held by Cole Ramblers on 20, Waterford second on 19. They beat Atlone last weekend and then obviously went on to lose to Rovers during the week in the EA Sports Cup. But I put it to Matthews that there was actually a lot of positives to take out of their performance in Tala. A lot of positives, Ocean, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, for sure, we're disappointed with the result. But uh, we tried a few things different tonight. We played a couple of people in different positions. Um, we got really good performance from a couple of players. And overall, from the team, we played well with the ball. We, we kept our shape and organisation without it. Frustrated Rovers a little bit because you know they, they, they're full-time, they're going to have a lot of possession. And overall, uh, we'll take a lot of positives out of it and see if we can maintain that level of performance and get a better result when we play Cabinteely on Saturday. A real compliment to your team that there was a sound of relief around the stadium when Rovers got that late goal through Dean Dillon. Yeah, you could sense a little bit. There wasn't a huge crowd here, but you could sense a little bit of apprehension kicking in after maybe 20, 25 minutes. And um, for all the possession that they had, they never really got in behind us. And when they did, Jack made some from good saves, but a lot of it was fairly routine. Samber gives to Gavin Boyne. Gavin Boyne shows a heavy first touch and loses the ball. And Rovers have the chance to counter-attack because it's four on four. This is a really good surging run by Brandon Miele. Brandon Miele in the middle of the park slips it to the right-hand side. This could be the moment for Rovers. And it's rolled home. Shamrock Rovers have taken a while to open them up but they finally have 83 minutes gone Shamrock Rovers won Longford Town nil Goal for Shamrock Rovers scored by number 24 Dean We're disappointed because it came from a break that they had where Gavin probably a little bit fatigued stretched lost it instead of trying to slip down counting yeah. as you're trying to slip down in who could have been in on goal on that, on that particular move they, uh, they break and Aiden misread it. He, he, he stayed. He, he stayed kind of central instead of coming out to engage with the player. 
and we were picked off on the break basically it was a good finish but look I, I can't ask for more for the players we're not full time we played on Saturday night had to get ourselves ready we lost a couple of bodies through injury and as I say juggle a few things around tonight I'm very very happy with it you do look like you can pick holes in teams Dylan McGlade now stood out tonight Stephen Walsh is a presence up front you know you have players who can cause issues we have, yeah, and like, I mean, I think if you're looking at us, we, we should be doing better than where we are in, in the league at the moment. Um, we've been inconsistent. We've put in some good performances, knock up results, picked up a result here and there, and haven't been able to, to get that level of consistency that you need. Hopefully tonight the players can take you know more heart from it than anything else because we played against a really good side here. This is a decent stadium. You want to be playing here. And we put it up to them in many respects. We, we certainly you know, respected Rovers, but weren't in any way inhibited by them. And had we maybe got the first goal who knows what the what the story would have been but fair play to Rovers they, they took their chance and they got the goal from our point of view we have to take the positive out of performance and try and harness it yeah. and bring it into to play more regularly in the first division yeah. speaking of the first division it's a funny league isn't it teams are beating each other so you're still in with the chance even though it hasn't gone ideally results wise for you it hasn't gone ideal at all but as you're right you say nobody has, has pushed away but we can't wait for that to happen we have to try and get ourselves in, in, into a position where we're there thereabouts at the top of the table because I think somebody might do that and we can't wait for that so every game from us now between you know, now the end of the season we have to approach it to try and get three points we haven't had a good start we've picked up a couple of wins picked up a couple of results but we haven't been able to get that level of consistency no excuse really because injuries and suspensions those things happen throughout the season we just need to get that that level of consistency in once I think we do we've got the players we've got some good players you've seen it there tonight yourself we've got good players we just need to bring that out week in week out I've seen a bit of first division this year there's a lot of quality down there it's not just about getting it up to the big man hoping a knockdown comes hoping someone can feed off the scraps you look like you're well set up for that division you've got as I've already mentioned a couple of wide guys but you've also got that presence up front Stephen Walsh he's not overly tall but he is big uh, Cowan came on, you know, he's a big man you've, you've got the mix we have a few bodies alright who uh, you know, can give us you know, different options yeah. but what's happened really is that we've, we've, we've mixed and matched the team in a, in a number of different ways and we haven't been able to get the right result and, you know, that then goes with um, the territory things don't happen you change it round so we probably need to find the formula we looked well there tonight but we yeah. lost the game you know, yeah. we won't get beyond this. We lost the game, albeit that we played well against a good side, but we lost the match. We have a lot of good lads here. Their attitude is spot on. Cannot fault them for work rate or application on the training ground. They are very, very good. And I would just like us to be more consistent and play to our potential on a more regular basis. If we do that, we should be able to get better results, which in turn will lift us up the league. Are you enjoying it? Because when you came in, it was a bad situation. You were pretty much gone. Not much you could have done about it. Um, whereas now it's a fresh start. And as we say, still in the running. First division is pretty open. Yeah, I am enjoying it because it's a good club. There's some very, very good people here and I was delighted to come back and help out and that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to help out and get ourselves back into the Premier Division. Um, there's a good group of players that we've got here. They work hard and when we get good results, it's enjoyable. When you don't get good results, it's, it, it, the trick is not to get too low. Don't yeah. get too high either. But I just think that if we could get a level of consistency into our performances, the results would look after themselves. Does Longford kind of feel like a second home to you at this stage? Well... I don't know what was it six years there seven yeah. seasons six years the first year was there 
and the people, the chairman and, and a lot of people on the board are still there. The club has improved year on year yeah. in relation to its infrastructure and the way they've put things together. It is a Premier Division club. Um, my job is, is, is as clear as, as night follows day. Get back to that Premier Division level and be playing in places like Talla on a more regular basis. It's lovely to come here tonight. Proper football stadium, proper football yeah. um, occasion, if you like, albeit, as I said, um, a Tuesday night there wasn't a huge crowd. The players took great heart from that. And this is, that's what I said to them. We need to be playing here and you want to be playing here. You do your work on a regular basis. But for me, I like the club. I've always had a, a good affiliation with it. I've spent a lot of time here and I just hope that we can be successful this year. Yeah. And with your hoops hat on, because I'm sure you're still a fan, big game on Friday night against Dundalk here. Should be a cracker. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I would know a lot of the lads in the background. Glenn played for me. I played with Tony McCarthy, obviously Stephen. Um, and I'd like to see them doing well um, it's going to be tough um, they've got good players here yeah. and it's, it's a proper football club what they're trying to do um, behind the scenes in relation to the uh, academy terrific and Stephen needs some I wouldn't say support he just needs to be given a little bit of time because it doesn't happen overnight you bring in a, a number of players um, it doesn't matter where they've played or what clubs they were with it does take time to gel um, they are a little bit off the pace in relation to Cork but so is Who everybody isn't? else yeah. so is everybody else yeah. so I mean there's no reason why the players they have and, and you know picking up a couple of results confidence lifts they mightn't catch Cork but they could certainly get themselves into a position where they could qualify for Europe and who knows where they go in the Cup they're in the semi-final of the League Cup because they've done this tonight who knows where they go in the Cup but Rowers a proper club proper football club and uh, yeah I, I was brought up going to Milltown and uh, I was here and I come here when, when I'm not playing and we don't have games to go and watch because I would still be a Rovers fan John Giles tried to do something very special with Shamrock Rovers in the 70s going into the 80s it just didn't quite happen didn't quite work maybe it was a bit before it's time Rovers seem to be doing that now they are and they've got the infrastructure in place um, to to give kids a full time football setup that we really haven't got here so they're looking at getting lads in I think as young as 12 13, 14, 15 by the time they're coming into a, a, a you know young adults 15, yeah. 16 they've been trained by professional coaches who are well qualified they've got the facilities down in Roadstone I've seen it it's an excellent facility and ultimately I think they'll break into the first team and that's the plan I would imagine yeah. break into the first team have a young team and, and if they move on from here so be it but it has to start it doesn't happen overnight they've started it maybe last year they're building on it this year I suppose ideally you'd want to have the first team being successful as well but yeah. they you know, they don't always go hand in glove you have to yeah. maybe just wait a little bit for well the, we've seen what happened in the past when teams only concentrated on their first team you have to do the two of them and, and they also don't have a I don't think they have a, a one way ticket in the sense that there's, a, there's an infrastructure around the club where there's you know um, income streams coming from various different yeah. sources to keep things going but the key here is that I think people get behind the management team that are here in the first team and support them here on a Friday continue to do that because if the club if the team start winning people come out the players start yeah. playing maybe a little bit more confidence it makes it easier for Stephen to bring younger lads through and makes it easier for them to play in a good environment wouldn't be too easy now to come in if you've come in for a game after maybe three or four defeats or three or four draws and people are on the back the manager of the team after maybe 10-15 minutes if they're not already up so I think that's the that's the other side of it that if the team do well it's easier for kids to come and progress in a positive environment Alan appreciate your time All right, Rush. No problem. this is News Talks SSE or Tricity League podcast and that was Longford manager Alan Matthews obviously a former Shamrock Rovers player as well you can tell Dan he still has a massive affinity for the club and an admiration for the project they're undergoing at the moment and it is a continuing project and it's interesting to watch it from afar obviously people 
react to what they see week to week and they look at the league table and that's how they judge where a club are at. But as we've seen in the past with the League of Ireland, that's not really the only way to judge it. Correct. Uh, if we're looking specifically on what the first 11 are doing, things aren't going well. Yep. And I think that's very fair to say they were they're 20 points behind after 11 games, but that's due to Cork's brilliant start. Off the field, they seem to be doing everything right to have a great backroom staff, obviously led by Stephen McPhail as director of football, the people like Damien Duff brought in. Obviously, Robbie Keane has been there training with them while he's looking for a club, so he'll bring added experience to the squad. There are a plen- there are plenty of sensible voices yeah. in the background. It's amazing when a club are doing things right and from the outside they seem to be doing it right. People lose patience when the first team results aren't going so well, even yeah. if you've got a lot of kids in your first team. Because that's the face of the club. Yeah. When people see uh, ex-club not doing so well, they think, yeah, the club's yeah. been poorly run, things aren't going great, while the, while the junior sides could be doing very well. Think of every club that's been in trouble financially over the last couple of years. The fans yeah. have said, oh, it's been run into the ground, what do you expect? But I imagine with a lot of those clubs, had they done things right, those same fans would have been whining about not enough money being spent on the first team and things going wrong with the first team. It's not the only way to judge a club what your first team does. Oh, Shane, I'm not sure if you know this, but football fans can be very fickle. What? Very fickle. Okay, time to hear from Derek Rogers, former Galway United defender. Uh, We're going to talk to him about Galway's season so far because they picked up their first win last Friday night against Dundalk their first win of the season that is in the league obviously they've been flying in the League Cup and they're into the semi-finals beating Sligo during the week on penalties Uh, they beat Derry in that competition as well but um, we spoke to Rogers about their current form and also his own career because it was a it was a a long and legendary thing I think his career with Galway yeah he's there's not many players in the history of Galway United that can say they've won two national titles Yep, and a League Cup and an FAI Cup, yeah, yes. and we'll hear about those in a couple of minutes. But first, he was on commentary duty last Friday night for the game against Dundalk. This is the magic moment as described by Derek and Galway Bay FM's Mike Flaherty. Oh, Galway United have snatched it! Was it Gary Shanahan? Gary was Shanahan, Shanahan took a severe deflection. Mike. Deflection, but uh, Galway United I, will take it. My goodness. You know what, Mike? You know, I always feel when you're under so much pressure, you're always going to get one chance. Derek, is that relief or joy? Both, absolutely both, and and do you know what? And as long as I'm in football, you always feel you know the team that's under so much pressure. How often do they always get that that late winner or late equaliser? And it just happened in that case. And you know, just looking at the bookies, it was seven to one for Galway to win that game. And I said, a two horse race, and certainly Galway had beaten Dundalk in the same fixture. They had beaten them in the same fixture last year. So listen. The luck was with us on the night. I think we deserved it. As, as, as you know, so far this season we've been unlucky. Give us an assessment on what's gone right and what's gone wrong for Galway this season. Um, I think I think the fact that you know it was a new management team, certainly a lot of new players in there. It was it was always going to take a while to gel. We knew the quality of the players that he had brought in were were good, okay. But I think it took them a little bit longer than they expected to find their feet. Like Jane Keegan has done really done really well with Wexford last year. Brought in good players but just weren't getting the results. I think they possibly overplayed a little bit. You know, I think he's gone a little bit more direct over the last couple of games and I think it suits us. Do you think that with uh, Shane coming in, in a way, it was one of the best things to happen for his own job security because with uh, with Manny, with Manny, with three teams going down at the end of the season and Galway at the foot of the table for so long that if he was maybe a more settled manager that people might have thought it could have been time to get rid of him but because he'd just come in, there was the chance there for him to try and build, uh, to try and build the squad. Well, it, it, obviously there was pressure straight away. I mean, after two or three games, Limerick got rid of their manager, Sligo got rid of their manager, and you probably looked at the table and you saw Galway beneath them. 
you know, with probably similar results, maybe worse results. And, you know, probably people would have looked and said maybe Shane was in trouble. But I don't think there was ever any doubt that Galway were going to stick with Shane because, you know, I, I'm not sure how long his, his contact is there. But, you know, you have to give every manager a chance. And in the fairness, the history of Galway United, they haven't really sacked a whole lot of managers over the years. They've, you know, they've always given them a chance. And, you know, I think that's the way it should be. There was just over 13, uh, th- I was going to say 13,000, uh, 1,300 in attendance at the game on Friday night. How have the crowds been since the since the season has started, obviously with a poor start? I think the crowds have been really good. And it was just just a, probably the last night there really reflected it. When that game was really in the mixer and the dock, as they always do, put severe pressure on you, and they did, like, Galway virtually got it, didn't really get out of their own half. The Galway crowd were 10 or 15 minutes ago stood up and were chanting, you know, Galway United, Galway United, and really got behind the team. And I, I, as a former player, you'd say, you know, that's, that inspires you at times. And it, I think the crowd were probably the, the 12th man for Galway United the last night there. And they just found that little bit of energy at the end to get that equaliser. And that really lit, the, as I said, you know, the party atmosphere after the game the last night was brilliant. The potential is there for a very solid Galway team. I saw them a couple of weeks against Bray. They actually lost 1-0. But what I spotted on that night was the potential of Ronan Murray, the potential of Jesse Devers. David Cawley in the middle, he was trying to make things happen. It didn't quite happen for him that night, but a couple of weeks later, what a better yeah. he scored against Limerick. Uh, is it Tholen at the back looks solid? Connor Wynn in goal, you know, he's a big presence. So th- there's a solid spine of a team there and a lot of talent. Colm Horgan, of course, as well. If you look at that squad now, in my opinion, you'd be saying that squad is definitely in the top five or six, you know, talent-wise and everything like that. And you know, you have to think, you know, they're training every morning. The setup, you know, the training up there in my view, the facilities are fantastic. You know, it's a really good base that they have there at the moment, management-wise, facilities-wise. They have a lot going for them. So, you know, I don't think it's really reflective of the position they are in. And to be honest, they're on type of four or five game run that they haven't lost so I wouldn't be surprised like if they, if they beat Drawd on Friday night and get, and get like the, the back game against Derry which is on the Monday if they get them two results suddenly they could be in mid-table Do you think that Vinnie Farty and I know this is a lazy assumption looking from the outside I'm looking at it from the point of view of someone who doesn't see Galway play all the time but my assumption would be that Vinnie Farty has to be getting goals for Galway to be get, getting results now he had a tough start to the season, but he seems to have found a bit of form in the last couple of weeks. I think I just I just think personally, just and, I, and I, I'd be a massive admirer of Vinny when when he played down in Limerick. I saw him playing once or twice for Limerick, and the amount of goals he got. And then when he came to Galway, he had a brilliant season last year, scoring some fantastic goals. But Vinny is one of the old-fashioned type of strikers. He, he he depends on you know the quality into the box, and I did think for the first few games the way we were playing didn't suit him. I thought it was, the ball was getting up to him too too slowly and he struggled up there in his own. Now the way we're playing with, with, with wider players getting forward and getting crossed in the box, it seems to suit Vinny. And we, we've created a lot more chances over the last couple of games than we did in possibly the, the first six games. So don't be surprised if you see Vinny you know, possibly getting 15 to 20 goals this season. The goals have been have been hard to come by so far. There's only been eight in the opening ten league games. But looking at the defence, the defence has been very tight. Only 14 goals conceded in ten games for the position. When you look at the teams like St. Pat's, like Rovers, Finn Harps, Bohemian, Strahada and Shamrock Rovers all above them, they've conceded far more. How has the defence been so tight? Because I, I think, personally, I think he hasn't gambled a lot. I don't think Shane has gambled a lot in, in, in putting, you know, attacking-wise, defensively, we look very good. Unfortunately, we haven't kept. I don't think we've kept a clean sheet this year. 
But if you look at them 14 goals we conceded, we conceded four against Cork. Okay, if you took them four out of it, you know, you do only have conceded 10 goals for a team that's on the bottom of the of the league. You'd say, you know, Jesus, that's a good record. How, but how come you're still on the bottom of the table? So I think it's just getting that mixture of defending properly, but still keeping that, you know, attacking option there, which I, I think, in my opinion, over the last couple of weeks, we've improved on on both fronts. Like before the Dundalk game, we hadn't won a game, and we were still only about four points off what I consider safety, which was Bohemians at the time, which they went on and bested Hampstead the weekend. So we were, st- we were still not out of it, even though the fact that we hadn't won a game is a very interesting statistic. But again, it's the three points are so important. You know, the three points, you know, drawing three games is nearly a month's games. And you, you, haven't, you still only have, tr- you know, possibly three or four points to show for. You need to be winning your home games. And I, I'm sure Shane Keegan is reflective of that, you know, on, on, on the first few games, especially the draw of the game, the first game of the season, that we didn't win it. I think that was a very hard pill to swallow, okay? And especially against potentially one of the teams that, you know, you could be fighting relegation against. You mentioned Shane Keegan there. On a wider point regards Galway, he seems to be going out and meeting the community. He seems to be doing a lot of work in expanding the fan base of Galway United. Again, I'm looking from the outside and just making an assumption here that most of Galway's fan base would be from the town and kind of around the city. But what they seem to be doing recently is sending buses out to all the big towns around Galway, trying to bring fans in, trying to encourage people to bring their kids, trying to create something like Cork City have, a kind of a county-wide fan base. Do you think that's something that is needed in Galway? Because there is a loyal fan base there, but not a huge fan base. And as long as it kind of stays small, it's hard for the club to grow. Well, it is. And you'll always, again... You have to look at the other sports as well. That you know, Galway's what about ninety thousand people living in it. Like we're, in my opinion, we're very strong in hurling. We're very strong in Gaelic football. We obviously have Connacht rugby down here as well. So the, the massive sports, you know, to be competing at competing at a top level. But it's certainly Shane Keegan. There's been nothing but admiration for him. The fact that he's gone out to communities. I've even gone around different places and I've seen him out there training young young lads. So he's really sold himself to the the general public down here as far as that and yeah. I know one fella that actually goes playing playing darts with him you know <laughs> he just wants you know that, that seems to be and again I don't know him personally yeah. but I, I, you would go with such a small place you'd hear all these different things back and it's great to hear that he, he's really you know involved himself within the community which I think is really important as well and the fact that he's, he's coming down and live, living in Galway as well you know that shows the level of commitment he's given to, to Galway United this season and you know what Galway is like. It's uh, once you're there, it's hard to escape. It's a it's a place you immerse yourself in. Because I didn't realise it, Derek, till I spoke to you yesterday that you're actually a dub originally. Yeah, originally a dub, and uh, I'm down here since probably 1987. Uh, I, I have to thank Tony Mannion for that. He 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 plucked me from from Shamrock Rovers B team, and he gave me a, he gave me the the opportunity to come down and play for Galway United. But Galway United were were doing really well before I ever came down. I mean, they, they they were in the cup final. They had finished second in the league. You know, I mean, they were really, really a top club at the time. And I just got the opportunity to only, to only ask me down. So I'm, they're finding it hard to get rid of me. That's the only thing <laughs> now at the moment. And what is it about Galway as a club and Galway as a place that you've enjoyed through the years? And I mean, right from the start, from when you were playing. Was it like that if you're in Dublin, you could be a bit lost in the crowd? Whereas in Galway, everyone knew you. You, in a short space of time, would know everyone. And there was a nice feeling of community about the place that you just wouldn't get in somewhere like Dublin. 
you probably summed it up better than I could myself, to be honest with you. And, and, and I was so lucky when I came down here. There were so many good players. You know, you had the likes of Stephen Lally, Noel Murna, Peter Carpenter. There's loads of lads. That, and I'd be often afraid to name everyone because there were so many good ones. But I was really lucky at the time that not alone were they, were, were they really, really good players. They were awful friendly as well. And they accepted you in straight away. And the fact that I ended up working down here, you know, you just become you just become friends on the pitch and off the pitch, and yeah. it, it helped the fact that they were so good as well. You know, I, I, when I look back on the season there in '91, obviously winning the cup was fantastic. You know, where I think we were relegated the following year, but we went into the first division. We walked away with the first division, came third in the Premier Division, you know, and then we lost players. So it's better, virtually a type of roller coaster down here, yeah. but. Like you always think about the good times, and there was a lot of them. Why do you think it's been such a roller coaster for Galway United? Because you know it yourself, there is talent in Galway. You've been coaching with NUIG, um, and there's an awful lot of Galway guys even over in England at the moment. The ones that jump to mind: Greg Cunningham, Daryl Horgan, um, a guy who is not a Galwegian but who has played for Galway: Jay O'Shea, Ryan Stephen Manning. O'Donnell. Yeah, Ryan Manning, <clears throat> Stephen O'Donnell doing great things with Dundalk, having done good things with Rovers. Um, and, and look there's a lot more guys who I can't think of John Russell is another one but why do you think Galway have never been kind of consistent as a club but if, you, if, you, if you look if you look at as an example Daryl Horgan never played for Galway United yeah I think he played for he played for Sligo yeah. Rovers he played uh, for Cork Hill, City yeah Salt Hill and, and Sligo Rovers he played for Salt Hill but he never played for Galway United I, I, I'm just giving you one example there um, and just like we often speak about this if all the Galway players played for Galway what a team they'd have yeah. but unfortunately it doesn't always happen that way and, and, and soccer is one of them like in, in comparison to GA, where you have a parochial type of thing or they'd always play in the parish it just doesn't happen in Galway for different reasons players move and like when we look back in 90 like we'll just say 93 we lost four players to St. Patrick's Athletic when we were at the, the top of the, nearly the top of the table ourselves you know yeah. and when you look back over the years like there was always players that were good enough to win leagues but unfortunately for whatever reason things just happened and it didn't happen when you look at the when you look at the teams on the southern and western seaboards you, uh, you look at the likes of Cork who the nearest team to them are Colvarnbers Limerick are by themselves Slugger Rovers are by themselves Finn Harps and Derry are close enough to each other but with Galway you have Saltill Devon you have Mervy United and underage football and junior football in Galway is extremely strong with a very proud history has that been one of the one of the main factors to go and maybe not uh, realising the full potential as you mentioned there Daryl Horgan was with Salt Hill Devon and uh, plenty of other players have, have come through those two very famous uh, those two very famous clubs if uh, if more of those were coming through Galway United do you think that the uh, that the club in general would be far bigger and maybe more successful? Well if you look now the way that the, way that the under, under 15s are, is coming in the, the League of Ireland and you have the under 17s now at the moment I think that will potentially change with Galway United that they, they'll get an opportunity to play for Galway United a lot sooner than they had previously I think that's you know mainly down to the FAI development plan that you know the young players will get the potential to play the best against the best and I think that'll be you know you'll see players going to Galway United probably a lot sooner getting the opportunity to, you know, wear that Galway jersey. And who knows, you know, they could potentially, you know, stay within the club a lot longer than previously. And, you know, sometimes players, for whatever reason, move to what, to other clubs. But if Galway, player, if Galway could hold on to the players they have, you know, sometimes for financial reasons they get better offers somewhere else, what can you do? You can't prevent a player from moving. But yeah. you'd be hoping in the long run that it would benefit Galway in the long run.
Derek, we've mentioned some of the highs that Galway have experienced over the years. One of those, obviously, the Cup Final in 91. Before your time, there was the UEFA Cup game against Groenigan in uh, in Connemara in Carraro. We actually did a piece with Sean Bon Branagh about that uh, last season. It was one of the most enjoyable pieces I think we've done so far. But there was also this from the mid-90s. This is the second leg of the League Cup Final played on New Year's Day in Cork. Well, the fields of Athenry getting a lash once again from the Galway United fans, hoping to add the League Cup to the shield they've already got on the mantelpiece in Galway. And they've all gone a bit quiet over there, haven't they? The Sheddites. The pressure very much remaining on the home team. Hartigan miscuing. Brennan has it. To Coleman. Here's a chance. And it's 1-1. Coleman scores an invaluable goal for Galway. Good way for them to start the new year. And the goals in Galway by Galway were most decisive in this tie. And in the end, it's Galway United who take their second trophy of the season. Already the Shielders, they now take the League Cup. The fourth division side beating the Premier Division team over two legs. It finishes Cork City 2, Galway United 4. And Derek Rogers takes the trophy. Galway United are the League Cup champions. I'm sure we brought back some happy memories for you there, Derek, lifting the trophy in Turner's Cross. And maybe that was even more special than the 91 FAI Cup final win. Obviously, the FAI Cup final is bigger, but you were a first division side then and you played that game in very tough circumstances. Oh, it certainly was very tough circumstances. Uh, like In my opinion, when I look back, that match should never have been played. I mean, it was the pitch was completely frozen over. I think the FAI were under pressure. Everyone it was, was New under Year's Day, wasn't it? It was the winter season. It was New Year's Day at one o'clock in the day as well, which we made a type of awkward for everyone. We had to go down the night before, which was didn't go well down, you know, as far as fa- families were concerned. But still, level of commitment from the lads was absolutely super. But we like to beat Cork, and Cork had the same status at the time, uh, as far as I'm concerned. You know, they were a top team. I mean, there was a huge crowd crowd down there that day to beat them over two legs was a, yeah, was huge, actually huge achievement. You know. Um, and we, in, my, in my opinion, we, we bet them quite convincingly. Oshin and I had a conversation here at the start of the show about the about the New Year's Day location of the second leg of the final. Would you count yourself as a winner from 96 or 97? Because Oshin and I had a, a <laughs> had a heated discussion about this. Well, I suppose if it's on 90, it was actually won in 97. That's the correct answer. The That's all I wanted to hear. <laughs> <laughs> no, Oshin was saying that with the majority of it in 96 that uh, we're just wondering if you're going to say it counted more as a 96 or 97 win. That's why I introduced it as the mid-90s. Yes. <laughs> uh, Derek, you stayed in Cork the night before. Um, was it difficult to stay disciplined on a New Year's Eve in Cork? <laughs> Well, it was it was it was very interesting. Like even the the travel down to it was was really treacherous because it was snow and ice. I think it took us four or five hours to actually get down there, and then we we stayed in the I think it was the Metropole Hotel in the heart of, the, of Cork City on New Year's Eve. And I'm sure there was a few people out socialising the night before, which made it a little bit difficult to sleep. Let's put it that way. And but listen, we got over it. We you get over all these obstacles when 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 you when you have a, such a you know, a, a cup at stake like that, you're, you're, you're going to bypass all that. And, and I remember on the day that the lads were terrific and the supporters we had down there was absolutely brilliant. And it was a huge, absolutely huge car crowd, which there still is to this day, which is great to see. But again, the, it, it, it's history with, you know, winning that cup. I'd love to see Galway go on and win it this year. You know, potentially they're, they're coming into form at the right time. Would it be great if they won it again this year? What about trying to play on that icy surface that day? Was it difficult? 
to, to say it was difficult would, would, would be an, an understatement. I mean, it was absolutely treacherous. It really was. But it, the game, as the game went on, it got a little bit better because the ice started going after the first half. But again, I was glad it was actually played because I thought it would give us a better chance yeah. that Cork wouldn't score too many against us. And of course, this was now, uh, nowadays, if you're heading from Galway to Cork, you do it pretty much all motorway from Limerick on at least. Roads back then would have been a very dis- would have been a very different situation, especially on on the western seaboard. So I suppose uh, New Year's Eve, probably a lot of snow, a lot of frost. I can imagine there there would have been more uh, there would have been easier journeys that team would have taken in that season. Oh, certainly would have. Can I just? I think it, it genuinely took us four or five hours to get down there, and I think we arrived in the hotel really really late, and then everything seemed to be rushed. That like you wouldn't have we didn't have the preparation that time that you would have now. So yeah. huge improvements in the league. That's the one thing I'd have to say. I'm glad to see the way the players have been looked after now so well. They're they're all given the opportunity, you know, to rest and recover and they're all that's the one thing that's hugely significant as far as the players, you know, and their potential development to, to, to further themselves if they go to England. I think they're a little bit more prepared when they go to England now than they have been. Yeah. And I think that's probably in Daryl Horgan's case and and and, and and Boyle from from uh, Dundalk as well. That's why they're probably doing so well. The league has improved so much. Facilities have improved so much. So a lot of credit has got to be given out to the league and the FAI on that. Derek, you played kind of across generations. You started in the 80s in the league and you finished up in the in the late 90s, I think it was. Now, very often when we look back on that time, we think of the league as being kind of a bit agricultural, you know, long balls, knockdowns, big men, physicality, etc. Do you think maybe players like yourself and other guys weren't given the credit for the style and the skill you actually did have I think to be honest with you I thought there was huge levels of skill and, and potentially I thought it was you know I thought there were more natural players in my time because I mean it was so physically tough in that time and you still saw really really skillful players I, I'd probably probably one of the best examples if you, if you talk about Pat Fenlon right he was a very small and slight player what a player he was in the middle of the pitch. For him to survive under the physicality of, you know, the pitches not being good and the players, you know, being physically strong and, and, and probably, you know, the likes of Pat Fenlon there, people would probably go out and try to prevent him from playing whatever way they could do That's it. That's a really but nice he, way of putting it, prevent him from playing. <laughs> <laughs> but but he, he still overcame all these things and still was absolutely fantastic as a player. And there were so many more of them players around at the time. Yeah. And then, obviously, the players that had the physical strength as well, they, 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 I mean, I mean, your man Call from Dundalk, James Call from Dundalk. I mean, what a terrific centre back! And more often than not, he'd get goals from centre piece, centre, you know, corner kicks and all that type of stuff. Very, very physical players. John Cleary, a player, I was lucky enough to play with him down here for a year or two. I mean, outstanding players. And if they're around these times, like I think they'd be worth a fortune. I was looking back on some highlights from 1994 when Terryland reopened. Terryland, as it was known back then. And George Hamilton in his report mentioned Fergal O'Neill, Norman Costello and Ricky Flaherty uh, as guys who had played football for Galway. Now, I didn't realise Ricky actually was a very decent Gaelic footballer as well. That day is kind of gone now where guys would be able to play League of Ireland and GA. But well, he th- didn't really, to yeah. be honest with you, he didn't really play Gaelic when he was playing for Galway United. It would have been prior to when he played, yeah. but he would have been county level and he was an Irish dancer as well, an Irish champion. People well, forgot that. Ricky O'Flaherty was his entire dance, and he, he gave up the Irish dancing when he started playing the League of Ireland as well. Do you think so? He had a couple of strings to his bow. Yeah, very talented man. But do you think that um, 
players who kind of had that kind of all-round background were well served in the League of Ireland and Dave Barry would have been one of those down in Cork for an example yeah I think I, but I'll be honest with you players obviously the likes of, of Dave Barry was a, a, a county footballer as well I think the fact that they were so talented they could have turned their hands to anything especially Ricky and there was a couple of more of them down here but it was like and obviously Galway United lost some players to the fact that they might have the other lads might have went playing rugby or playing hurling or different like things like that but I think, to be honest with you, it, it, it's it, from a very young age you'll take a, a you know you'll actually go down one route or the other. I think nowadays they're actually trying to identify players as far as sports are concerned to for for them to focus a lot earlier than they have been in the past. And as a coach, and, and you have coached um, college teams, so you're well placed to say that. Is that a good or a bad thing to get a guy early and tell him at fourteen, fifteen, right, stick to the soccer and don't play anything else? I think so. That's on a, probably on a selfish front. I think they should because there's two ways of looking at it. I, I would potentially, if I, if I had a 15-year-old who I thought was potentially really, really good, I would ask him to concentrate on the soccer because I think if he starts playing Gaelic as well, if he at a high level, yeah. he's not going to be able to do both of them to the highest level that he'd like. And I, don't, I think probably he'd be doing it himself, you know, an ill, an Ill justice if, if he tried to do it because I mean when you're playing soccer at a high level I think you need to be training regularly yeah. and if, if you're playing another sport I just think it's going to interfere with it. Yeah I guess it's just the way it's, it's gone isn't it. Um, just before we let you go and we really appreciate the amount of time that you have given us um, what is your favourite memory from your time at Galway United and you can pick oh, one or two we won't just narrow it down to one because it's a tough well, question. Look, obviously the, the 91 Cup final I, I, you know it's, it's I don't think I'm, I'm ever going to get a happier day than that because it was always a lifetime ambition to, to achieve, you know, something like that in, 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 in um, League of Ireland. Uh, obviously, uh, having getting international caps under 18 was a special moment playing under Liam Toohey, Brian Kerr and Noel O'Reilly. That was really, really special. Yeah. And then uh, probably the third choice would be to the, 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 the win the League Cup in 19, we'll say 1997. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> 1997. And you were sponsored by Wranglers in 1991. So were you decked out in, in would have been stonewashed jeans for the style back then? <laughs> exactly. It would have been, it was, I think we were the only only team ever to wear jeans and a Wrangler shirt to uh, a cup final. <laughs> a denim pre players Some of the players still have them at this stage, I think. But but listen, it was something different. It was it was a sponsor. We, and we were, you know, it was hard to get a sponsor them times. And Wrangler, in fairness, came up to them and, Listen, it was nice on the day and it, yeah. it, I don't think too many people t- think about the clothes. It was all about the, <laughs> the final result. It I couldn't mean, have been any worse than Liverpool's white suits anyways for that FA Cup. I don't think so. No. There's nothing wrong with denim and denim and buckle wrangler shoes, Derek. And no, no, anyone no, tell no. You it looked well. It looked well on me anyway. <laughs> Listen, Derek, we really appreciate your time. Thanks very much for joining us and enjoy the rest of the season. Uh, following Thanks. Galway United with Galway Bay FM. Thanks very much. Thank you. What an incredibly nice bloke, Derek Rogers. But we only get nice men on the podcast, but he he and has... You. Yeah, and, and myself, obviously. He... Uh, pleasure to talk to and seems to have... I, w- I wouldn't have wanted to have been on that bus that night going to Cork. No, no. I don't think anyone would have. I still have nightmares about some of the journeys we took to Dublin back in the day before the motorway. Actually, even when I first started working in sports broadcasting... The motorway between Cork and Dublin wasn't complete and you'd have to go through places like Abbey Leaks. Horse and Jockey. Or you'd go over to Galway and you'd have to go through um, Moat and a few other places, yeah. Kilbegan. God, it was a nightmare. That's one thing that League of Ireland players now don't have to suffer, those horrific journeys. Well, unless in some Derry. cases. Unless yeah. you're from Derry or, or Sligo. Sligo or, anyway, yeah. the fixtures this week. Derry City taking on Bohemians. That's on Friday night in the Premier League. Derry City with a 2 all draw against St. Pat's. 
last week. They really had to fight for the result and Kenny Shields afterwards spoke to our good buddies in Drive 105 about what they got out of the performance and what he's getting out of his players, especially as they recover from a very, very tough time. I think it's similar to the last two games. If you look at Limerick and you look at Sligo games, you can't say that we didn't dominate the ball. Maybe to a lesser extent than the Limerick game, but we certainly dominated the games. The return total was three points, which is disappointing because I feel that we deserve more. Sometimes in life that happens, you don't get what you deserve. And uh, I'm pleased that the boys were digging away at it and getting something from it. Of course, it's been a tough few weeks for the team, but you must see the confidence growing within the team over the last few games. Yeah, I can see it moving on in the right direction, but we're just disappointed that we didn't give the supporters three points. We wanted to get three points so badly, and the effort and and the quality of our play at times was very, very good. You can see that, the quality that we have, but the disappointment was um, not being able to finish off some of our chances Derry City manager Kenny Shields speaking to Drive 105 about a tough couple of weeks but how they're fighting to get through and you can see that spirit in the last couple of games in the other Premier Division fixtures this weekend Shamrock Rovers taking on Dundalk in Tala on Friday night that's an 8 o'clock kickoff. the rest of them on Friday night are 7.45 starts Drogheda against Galway Cork City against Finn Harps and Braid taking on St Pat's by the Seaside on Saturday evening Sligo Rovers hosting Limerick then on Monday night it's a rescheduled fixture as Galway take on Derry Dan the First Division First Division fixtures four games this weekend as always three on Friday tonight it is Athlone against Cove at 7.45 Cove are now the league leaders after their win uh, last weekend they defeated Shelburne 1-0 in Talca Park at UCD against Wexford and Waterford against Shelburne those games all kick off 7.45 one game on Saturday evening it is Cabin Teeley at home to Longford Town and just a quick look Oshin at the table it's very tight at the top it looks like one of three will be uh, getting promoted to the Premier Division next year Cove are on 20 points Waterford are on 19 and UCD are on 18 Cabin Teeley uh, leading the chasing pack on 13 points but uh, the first division looking far more competitive than we expected it to be at the start of the season Still early though in the Continental Tires Women's National League Kilkenny United taking on Shelburne these games on Saturday that's the 7.30 in the evening kickoff. the same time uh, for Wexford Youth's women against Mount United and then Galway take on Cork City that one is a 6 o'clock kickoff. Shelburne currently top of the league they're I suppose running away with it you might say after 12 games they're already 8 points clear they're on 32 UCD Waves on 24 P-Mount 3rd on 23 Wexford on 22 Galway on 11 Cork City on 9 and Kilkenny yet to register a point after 12 games and UCD have the weekend off this week due to it being a 7 team league that's right well that's it uh, for us for this week uh, you can get to him on Addis Misha Daniel by the way I said that get to him it makes it sound like I want people to threaten you and you can you can annoy me on Twitter I'll just block you all exactly yeah <laughs> I tend to debate with people on Twitter yeah, I, I don't think it, I've it ever actually takes an awful lot for me to block I don't think someone. I've actually ever blocked anyone it's just easier to just ignore them I on. have because it was really unnecessary abuse that was me I don't sorry. mind someone disagreeing but I do mind abuse but sometimes yeah. I find on Twitter people say oh you're getting short tempered it's like no I, I just because I disagree with you doesn't mean I'm mad or did, they call you a, did they call you a mediocre hurler I mean that would be a massive compliment yeah. if, I was, <laughs> if I was to get to the level of mediocre yeah. god I'd be so delighted Oshin from the was it junior 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 B in Waterford and junior F in Dublin as in when I played in Waterford it was junior B now that I'm in Dublin it's junior F does that mean that uh, the club game in Dublin is stronger than it is in Waterford that's it for this week we'll talk to you next week take care good luck (laughs) bye
the ball on News Talk. Thanks to Air. Catch all the sports you love free on the Air Sport Pack with Air Broadband.